Hey everyone, welcome to Christmas at the Compass here at Midweek at the Compass. My name's Jake, one of the pastors here, and we're just trying to get ready for the Christmas holiday by spending some time focused on Christmas. I know that's a shocker, but it's just been a lot of fun. Last week, we got to talk all about Christmas traditions from around the world. And today I'm really excited as well because a very, very wise man once said that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. That wise man was Will Ferrell and Buddy the Elf, but I think it's a true sentiment. So we're going to have a conversation all wrapped around Christmas music today. And I'm joined by my friend, Rachel Farnham. Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Jake. I'm really excited to be here and talk Christmas music. I love music of all kinds, but I love Christmas music. It gets me so excited every year. Although, I have to say, I have to wait till after Thanksgiving to start the Christmas music. So you are one where it's an adamant, I won't do Christmas music before Thanksgiving? I mean, it's my job. I kind of have to. But as far as <laughs> playing it around the house, no, no, no. We do not start until the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. But I- as my shirt would tell you, and those for those who don't aren't listening to this, or are only listening to this, my shirt says, I love Christmas. And it's got a heart with candy canes. So I think just for the visual experience here, uh, we are going to put on some more Christmas flair here. So I've got a nice elf hat here that Rachel's letting me use. I've got some reindeer horns that have um, a little jingle bell on them. Love it. So let's do this. Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more just about who you are before we get too Mm -hmm. far down the rabbit trail here. Absolutely. So I am one of the worship leaders here at the church, and I have been here for 10 or 11 years, somewhere around that range. And I've been primarily at the South Naperville campus in that time, but uh, I've had the privilege to get to travel around and be part of Compass Online, which has been amazing in the last few years. And so I loved my time doing all that. We've never officially worked at the same campus or location, but we've crossed (laughs) paths so many times that it feels like maybe we have. That's true. That's true. And we used to serve on worship team together way back in the day before you were even on staff. And we traveled around. Yeah, totally. Uh, That just means we've been here a long time. That's all it's coming down to, but that's okay. (laughs) So Christmas, you love Christmas. Has it always been the case? Most of my life, I have always loved Christmas. There was one season just after college and before having kids that I felt like Christmas lost all its magic for me. Okay. And it was just really sad. And, uh, I just felt like I didn't, I wasn't the kid anymore. Right. But I didn't have any kids to share it with yet. And I think I, I, I really love the magic of seeing the holidays through children's eyes. It's just so beautiful. Well, there's something really interesting about seeing the magic of Christmas and Christmas music through the eyes of a child because we just happened to have a recording of you singing a Christmas song <laughs> Wait. as a child. No, you. Yeah, no. How, we're, which, which one? Oh, <laughs> no. How did you get a recording of me, Jake? Uh, we're, you know, we may or may not have reached out to your dad. Let's oh find out God. together. Uh, this is Rachel as a child singing a Christmas song. So join in with us.
just, we'll leave it there for right now. Uh, I can't believe you dug that out. It's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. How old do you think you were when you were singing that? I was probably about eight or nine when I was singing that. And, uh, and Elvis, actually, the classics. Yeah. I have to say, my dad asked me to sing that song, and I didn't know it before. Well, awesome. Now, we got to share it with hundreds of our closest friends here, and you can, whatever, thank your dad later for me. <laughs> he will be getting a note from me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I actually shortly after that was when I decided that I wanted to be a professional singer in some capacity. I didn't know yet that God would call me to be a worship leader, but uh, yeah, I've loved music and Christmas songs and singing my whole life, really. So I want to ask a question that's one of my wife's least favorite questions in the world because she never knows how to answer it. Great. What is your favorite Christmas song? Because anytime I bring up, she can't pick a favorite anything. It's really difficult. But like, where would you go with a question like that? Oh, Jake, that's so tough because the, I love so many of the Christmas songs. And I do. I do really love church Christmas songs. But I also love secular Christmas songs as well. And that's just a tough a tough call. I mean, growing up, we used to sing Silver Bells. I don't know if you remember I that I love one. Silver Bells. <laughs> Um, Back when I was in a uh, kids' choir called Friendly City Sound, because no. Ottawa, Illinois was known as the Friendly City. I think it was in like third <laughs> grade. We toured around, oh uh, and that was the first Christmas song we had to sing with Silver Where's Bells. Where's our recording of that, Jake? Uh, that one can <laughs> stay in the archives. Yeah, uh, we don't need that. <laughs> I I love uh, the whole like chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know, you gotta you gotta pull that voice out when you sing it too. Oh yeah, like the jazzy kind of. Yeah, I love laid that. Back. I love that so much. But I I do genuinely love all kinds of Christmas songs that we do here in church, and I think those are the best ones. Um, I totally agree. However, there's so much. There's so much of good Christmas music out there. Well, it's one, um, uh, my middle daughter, Tess, likes objectively the worst Christmas song in the world. <laughs> um, she loves Last Christmas by George Michael. Mm. Um, and it's just, mm. it's not a super uplifting song, but every time it comes on the radio, uh, she just adamant that she just wants it cranked so she can belt along with it. And yep. whatever, we're the parents that just let that slide. It's fine. You know what? You got to encourage your kids' love of music, whether it's good music or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. If my um, parents didn't let me listen to my bad music, who knows where I would be today? <laughs> so, well, let's, let's keep going on the bad music thing here a little bit. Great. Because great. before we get into your, you know, one of your favorites, mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Oh Holy Night. Oh, that is one of my top favorites, too. It's so good. Um, but it's not just Oh Holy Night. There's one particular version of it that okay. I love. And I, I can't say anything um, unkind about it. It wow. was from an album, a compilation album called Happy Christmas back in 1998. Um, 1998, Great. for anybody that wasn't around, um, <laughs> listening to CCM music on the radio, yeah. it, it wasn't like the best quality music mm. at the time. Uh, I in feel that. In terms of the level. writing <laughs> or the quality or any of it. Uh, but there was a band called Seven Day Jesus, and they came out with this Oh Holy Night version. Um, and it's one of those... It just so happens I may or may not oh, have Jake. brought a guitar with me. I'm oh, gonna, Jake. I'm going to be that guy for a minute, but it's just like the progression at the beginning, I was hooked right away. It's like that. 
Like it's all downstrokes and mm. something about it is just like really rich and beautiful and terrible all at the same time. Do you remember Reliant K's Christmas album? Oh, of course I, yes. That, that is for me, oh, that's so good. It's my speed. <laughs> it's totally my the speed. The 12 Days of Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That old Holy Night version, there's just like a lot of builds. There's like voice cracks and breaks and just mm. pitch that's not quite perfect, but it adds yes. to the emotion of it. And for some reason, you know, however it. many years later, I don't want to do that math, but I still, mm. it's my favorite version of it. Mm. So that's enough about me. What about you? If you were going to land on like a okay, top okay. choice for a Christmas song, where would you go? I really love Silent Night. I mean, I've always loved singing it with the candlelight. I, we used to go to my grandparents' church as a kid um, for Christmas Eve, and just seeing the whole room lit up with candles was such a great memory for me. But I still don't think that's my number one. I, it's just a really good memory. Um, I, I'd have to say I think Joy to the World has got to be my favorite of all the Christmas songs and it's it's kind of weird because if you really look into the lyrics it doesn't talk a whole lot about the birth of Jesus or like the shepherds or the angels or all that stuff yeah but I just I love the melody I love the the joy behind it and it's just a really great song so really tell good. me a little bit more about it. Do you know any of the history of Joy to the World or any of the backstory yeah. of it? Because it, you said it doesn't have a whole lot of allusion towards shepherd, angel, Jesus. True. True. And so it was actually written as a poem, and it wasn't even written to be a Christmas song initially. It was written by Isaac Watts in 1719. Like, that was a long time ago. It's going back there. That's a little older than 1998. A yeah. little bit, a little bit. Um, and he wrote it based on Psalm 98 and he was going through and writing, uh, rewriting Psalms with now we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of so much of the old Testament. And so he was going back and poetically reworking these Psalms to include Jesus in them. Interesting. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, so I was going to read a little bit of Psalm 98 for us. Because it, it kind of helps you to see where he was going with it and, and, and how he kind of extrapolated from what we think of as joy to the world. Yeah. So Psalm 98.4 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. And then a little later in verse 7, it says, Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth, the world in righteousness, and the peoples with equity. So you can kind of see where... The tie-ins to yeah, all Yeah, but it's not like literally exactly the psalm. He was using the concepts of the psalm and then reworking them in a poetic way to talk about how Jesus is the fulfillment of these psalms in the Old Testament. I don't think I ever knew that Joy to the World would have been based on anything scriptural. Right? Uh, I wouldn't have known that either without doing a little bit of looking into it, you know? Um, and some of the melody of it was actually taken, the melody that we know today, because obviously it was written as a poem, and then somebody had to turn it into a song. Totally. <laughs> some of the melody of it was taken from Handel's Messiah, like little bits and pieces in the, of the Messiah. And then it was in 1836, so we're talking like over 100 years later, was published by Lowell Mason, who has done a lot of other um, 
hymn melody work and okay. so, things like that. He's a fairly famous guy in the hymn world. Um, so he published what we know today as Joy to the World. So it's like, and he's, so Isaac Watts is in England. Yep. Handel is in Germany. And Lowell Mason is in America a hundred years later. And so all these different people in different times kind of collaborated to make this beautiful song we know today. And in different locations. Yeah. Which makes it when it's Joy to the World seem oh, a little bit... Oh, look at you. I put that together real quick, huh? You did. That's actually makes it even all the more fascinating. Isn't it? Uh, it wouldn't have been my first choice of a go-to song necessarily, but... There's a lot there. That's there actually is. really interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, speaking of how it's not a Christmas song, I think it's interesting then to go back and look at kind of the history of it a little bit. Hmm. Um, and why why is it that it became a Christmas song if it wasn't written to be that initially? So can I ask, if it wasn't written to be a, a Christmas song, do you know what it was written to be? Yes, but I'm going to get a little serious. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll do the same thing then. We'll That's take fine. off our... Take, take off, off our, the uh, extra flair here. Yeah, our extra flair. Get a little, little serious here. Yeah. About... Um, so one thing I love about our celebrations as a church is that often they have three meanings. And the, the on-face value meaning, say, of Christmas, Easter, even communion, we're remembering an event that happened. In Christmas, we're remembering that Jesus really was born. God really became a human, and the angels really came out of heaven, and the shepherds and the wise men, all this. We believe those things are true, and we're remembering and celebrating that. But we are also celebrating that Jesus is alive in our hearts today. And even in Joy to the World, there's the verse, let every heart prepare him room. Hmm. I love that part. And remember last year, our whole Christmas service was kind of based around that, let every heart prepare him room. Make room for Jesus. Yes. Yes. So go back and watch that. If you haven't, our last year's Christmas service was awesome. But I love that idea of Joy to the World brings us and it invites us into this Christmas season and invites Christ into our hearts right here, right now in Christmas. But the reason that it was actually written was neither of those two things, but the third element of past, present, and future. So it's Isaac Watts was actually referring to the second coming of Christ when he wrote the words of joy to the world. Huh. So what that is, is that Jesus is going to come back again. So joy to the world, the Lord has come. And he's going to make everything right. There will be no more sadness, no more sin, no more death on earth. And so we, as we celebrate Jesus's birth, as we celebrate that he is alive in our hearts today, we're also looking forward to when he comes again and makes everything right, especially if you're dealing with brokenness, pain, hurt, loss this Christmas season, Hmm. we can still have joy because we're not looking at these present circumstances. We're looking forward to what we know God is going to do in the future. That gives a whole different spin also on A Christmas Carol, right? Charles Dickinson. There's a reason that it was past, present, and future. Right. And it's the life of Christ. The factual events of Mm -hmm. his birth 2,000 plus years ago, the fact that he is alive as we speak, Mm -hmm. and there is a second coming. There's a glorious return. There's a hope that we all have in what is to come, even if present doesn't look great. Yes. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. 
it's pretty great when you really dig into there's way more than just what's on the surface of a, a song that I love at surface value. But yet when you dig even deeper, you can find so much more meaning out of it, you know? Yeah, I think at some point we're going to have to do some deep dives on Christmas carols. Uh, just Even more, let's take them all and take them, rip them apart and find out what's below the surface. You well, know? that's something all of us can do this Christmas season to begin with, right? We're singing Christmas carols and songs each weekend in our weekend services, and mm-hmm. it's something where, you know, go home afterwards and be like, okay, we just sang O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or whatever the case might be, um, and look into, okay, when did it start? What What's yeah. the truth that we can glean out of this? How does it tie into scripture? Yeah, um, and it really deepens your worship when you do that, because you're no longer just singing by wrote a song that has carries tradition, which is good, but you're also digging deep into what does a song really mean? When we're singing a Christmas carol, what, what, why are we still singing this song hundreds of years later? There's a reason why these songs have continued to be popular over time, because yeah. they have really great meaning. So let's talk a little bit more. Let's leave Christmas future to the side here for just a few minutes. So uh, you and I have been here at the Compass Church for well over a decade at this point. I want to talk Christmas past and Christmas present. (laughs) Okay. All right. So let's talk Christmas past and let's, you know, frame it around our services and uh, worship elements and all of that. I'm just wondering, you know, you said you've been here 10, 11 ish years coming up will be about year 12. Then what, what are some of your Christmas service highlights from your time here at the compass? Oh, wow. So I don't know if you remember, uh, probably 10 years ago, we did a Christmas play called Gabriel and the gift. Yeah. And I played an angel in that and I got to dance and I sang revelation song as part of that Christmas musical. That was, uh, that was so fun for me. I, and I got to be a part of kind of behind the scenes, getting everything together for it as well. And I just really love using, you know, dance and singing and poetry and all these things to put together to make a Christmas show, make a Christmas experience that really impacts people. So (laughs) that one impacted my wife and I, and it's not actually a happy story. Do you mind if I share it? Absolutely. So that was the year my wife and I had just miscarried in November and it got to a point mixed in with that play where one of the worship leaders came out and sang a song called A Baby Changes Everything. And my wife and I were just wrecked in that moment of, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really good reminder. You talked about it earlier. Like people go into a Christmas season, not always with the joy that we sing about, um, yeah. but with the heartbreak and the grief and a Christmas not looking like what you thought it was going to. Um, but it wasn't all a sad story. Like that song ministered to both of us right where we were in a way that we weren't expecting when we walked into a Christmas Eve service. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the first time I've ever actually shared that story. Um, but the planning mattered, the prep mattered. And if it wasn't for anyone else, it was for my wife and I, and it was a healing moment mixed into a really difficult season. Um, Let's turn away from the sad element <laughs> out here. What, what's something else that maybe sticks out? Oh, you know what? Another thing that I, it may be a little silly, but I loved, we did um, a whole like guitar intro piece. Do you remember this? And I think it might've been 
um, Carol of the Bells. I think it was Carol of the Bells was the song that yes. they did. Yes. And the guitars, like, there was a whole bunch of lighting going on. Yeah, and somebody had, they had Christmas lights attached to their guitar that changed colors with the different progressions. Outlining the guitar. Yes. Yes. Okay. I forgot about that one. (laughs) I wasn't even part of that particular thing. I was was at the 95th campus at that time, and we didn't have quite that same level of production. Yeah. But I was able to experience at Naperville that, and I thought that was so cool. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I talked about it with Jeff a couple of weeks ago, but I'll bring it up again. Like for me, one of my favorite elements was um, it was the a thrill of hope. So that would have been like 2019. Um, and they shot this video of like a tree that got planted and grows and they went and did it at different seasons. And then yes. it was wrapped up with the song called Seasons, I think, from Hillsong. Yeah, that was another one of my favorites, too. I love Seasons, that song. Yeah. Because um, it, it talks about his promise is like a seed that grows. And so and I, I think it was talking about hope, even a thrill of hope, even in a dark situation. And then I think we peaked as an online ministry in 2020 in terms of how we did Christmas. <laughs> Just something uh, about having the strings, the string Oh quartet. my goodness. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. It was fantastic. The arrangement of Arrival that we did, I yes. still go back and listen to in the middle of the summer. So good. Like it just You're randomly. not singing Summertime at the Compass Church in the uh, middle of the summer? Well, I do that too. Uh, and I feel like we now need a Christmas time at the Compass Church. We'll work on that for With you, sleigh Jake. bells. With sleigh bells, of course. And That's then not Christmas without sleigh bells. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, you did a song mixed into that service, too. And then we yeah. split that song into parts. And uh, we used those elements at our in-person services as well. That was the coolest element of it, is that we didn't even initially plan to be able to use that string quartet at our in-person services. But it was in the year of COVID. And the way that we had to set up in the room meant that uh, our video director got to shoot the the string parts with nobody else in the shot. And so we were able to then use that amazing string quartet for our in-person services as well, which was a huge blessing to everybody who attended that year. Yeah. I mean, our video director is the worst. Sorry, Andy Burns. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm kidding. I love Andy. That, it, was, it was just, it was really well done. There's yes. been a lot of elements like that that have been mixed every in. Every year. And every year when we go to plan Christmas, and we start with kind of a blank slate or just like a rough idea from Jeff. I'm always a little, I get worried and I'm always like, well, what are we going to come up with this year? God, you better, you know, help us because we don't know what to do. And there's a lot of prayer that goes into that and a lot of um, brainstorming and ideas that don't get used. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a real joy to get to work on these creative Christmas, Easter, regular weekend service experiences that people get to enjoy that hopefully bring them closer to God and have brought me closer to God over the years. Yeah, there's uh, elements mixed in all of the time that speak to people where they are that are just incredibly well done. So people, make sure you go to one of our Christmas Eve services, join online, share the online feed with other people. It's one of those, like, it's a really good invite tool. And then go and experience it for yourself with a full room to sing a candlelight version of Silent Night. Um, Man, there's something really powerful about all of that. But let's use that as the branch point to talk about Christmas present. Yes. I would love, you know, a candlelight singing of Silent Night isn't really spilling the beans on anything here <laughs> because no. it's more or less tradition at the Compass <laughs> Church. Yeah. But 
let us behind the scenes a little bit of right. what can we expect this year for our Christmas Eve services? Yeah, I'm very excited about what we have planned for this year. Um, we've been working creatively on a few different things, setting up uh, this whole idea of finding peace in the middle of a storm. Um, and so our pre-message element that's kind of going to set up what Jeff's going to then carry on and talk about Jane and I wrote a spoken word piece that's going to be paired with music that I'm really excited about. And then our team actually wrote an original song that we are going to be singing and debuting for everyone after the message. So it's, it's tied in exactly with Jeff's message content was written based on that. And we're just really excited to, uh, to share, especially because, uh, I kind of started, came to the team with a chorus, with an idea, and the rest of the team ran with it, and everybody had something that they brought to the table, and it was a true whole team collaboration on this song that we can't wait to share with you. So maybe like a line or two of the chorus, is it possible to get that out of you while we're here? <laughs> I don't know, Jake. That might be spoilers, and we don't Okay. We don't want to do too many spoilers. Then that's fair. So we'll leave that to people need to show up and hear it. Because those response songs, those response songs out of the messages are the ones that people tend to remember from our Christmas Eve services to begin with. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that this is going to fit in perfectly in the line of everything we've been doing. And and don't worry, there's still plenty of surprises to come on Christmas Eve. Besides what I've already sneak peeked for you. That's a good point. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil that either. We'll just say it fits in with the theme of the service and the message and the whole motif. And you are not going to want to miss it uh, because it's going to be awesome at all of our campuses. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, oh, man, I think that's a good enough tease to end things on. <laughs> Rachel, anything else you want to share about Christmas, your love for Christmas music, anything like that? Oh, man, I just... I can't wait to have everyone join us at our in-person locations throughout the Christmas season and for our Christmas Eve services because uh, we love to lead you guys in worship. We love it when you sing out those Christmas carols along with us. It fills our hearts with joy and we can't wait for you to come and celebrate Christmas with us. And I think that's a good word. There will be Christmas carols mixed in with all of it, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Rachel, thank you for coming in to do this. Yeah, and everybody, for having me. thank you for joining here at Midweek at the Compass. You know, we're wrapping up one more week of our Christmas at the Compass series with our Midweek at the Compass. And next week, we want to make sure that we're taking a little bit of time to just break and pause because the Christmas season can be incredibly busy. It can feel chaotic. It can feel like we're not making room when we need to. So we're going to talk with um, a spiritual director to listen and learn about how we can take some intentional breaks, how we can take some time to intentionally turn our thoughts and our reflections back to Jesus mixed in with the holiday season, mixed in with Christmas, mixed in with New Year's and everything that comes with it. So make sure you join us next week and we'll be right here at Midweek at the Compass.